Welcome to the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast, the show for anyone wanting to be on the cutting edge of SaaS tech sales. We provide the tools you need to take advantage of the rapidly changing sales environment. We bring you the leading experts on the front lines of SaaS sales and distill down our famous masterclasses into bite-sized practical tips. Your hosts will be Ash Ali and Matt Milligan. And on this podcast, we'll be helping you transform your ability to sell more so you can smash your targets. Welcome back to another episode of the SaaS Sales Performance Podcast. Really excited about today's episode. We have another fantastic sales leader in the hot seat. We've been working hard behind the scenes here at UHubs to build out the next series of guests. Really excited to be bringing these new episodes to our community and to our audience of listeners around the world. Today's guest is a seasoned sales leader who has a very interesting journey and some amazing experiences to share. Today's guest has led sales teams at the likes of Box, TransPerfect, Alpega, and more recently, Zinkler, a number of really interesting tech businesses that have raised vast quantities of money and have generated millions of dollars in revenue. Today's guest is Jerome Bice. Jerome, welcome to the show. Really looking forward to having a chat today. And the last time you and I were hanging out was in the glorious sunshine in Barcelona over a glass of red wine. Sorry that we can't be doing this in person today, but great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Really looking forward to this session as well. And it's been a long time coming and I'm sure that red wine will come in the near future again. Where I usually like to get started is just to give the audience a bit more context around your own journey and how did you get into sales and share with us a little bit about your journey so far into sales and sales leadership. From a very young age, I always had this commercial side of me. I've always been very comfortable in, in obviously communicating. I think that's one of my main qualities. I had no issues in class, being a bit of a class funny guy. It was pretty much a natural growth of my educational career and that then obviously into my professional career. I had my neighbor, they owned a video store at the time, so I would sell copies of videos from my backpack. There was always some kind of dealings that I would have, which was very interesting. And, and then when I went to university, it was very clear for me that it had to be economics, it had to be trade, it had to be in that commercial space. Then once you go through those, I actually with my father at the time, we set up a company, like an intermediate company, selling products that we knew were available to people that we knew that needed it. In this case, it was actually quite funny. It was a company not far from where I come from that were making billboards, those rotating billboards. And that was something that was actually coming up in a different market. And we knew we could get it relatively cheap. And we just went with this, what could we make off of it? And we just went like, oh, let's go in high. And then we found this guy that wanted to, to actually buy the set. Wheeling and dealing, grinding, as you call it. We ended up closing the deal then. And that was very, very interesting. And that was when I was still studying. And then after my studies, I just looked for a sales job. And that's really where my career started. As in, At the time, you didn't have the concepts of inside sales as such, but that's pretty much where I started. Just as a sales guy on the phone, in the showroom, that's where it started. Amazing. It sounds like you were kind of drawn to sales rather than lots of sales professionals I speak to kind of fall in to the career. But hearing about your journey into the profession there, Jordan, it kind of sounds like you were almost destined. 
I mean, I think this is one of the pillars of, I think, my entire career is to run with what comes easy and what you enjoy or where you have a natural attraction to. And that's pretty much what it came to. And as I said, communicating came easy. I felt I was able to convince people. And I think those are the assets of a good salesperson, right? Being able to communicate, that means not only speaking, but obviously also listening. And then also being able to convince people of the benefits. Now we're getting into already into sales, of course, but into the values or specifically the benefits of what you're trying to position. And that back in the day was when we were organizing a night out on the town. Very often the ideas were multiples and we often ended up doing what I suggested. And I convinced everyone and we had an amazing time. And so if you do that multiple times and you practice and you do that really well, then obviously the whole salesiness becomes natural. Yeah, I love that. And two kind of core values that you've spoken about there, you spoke about obviously the importance of communication. The interesting one that you also mentioned during your sales career has been humor as well. I was curious to understand, like, is that something you've doubled down on, kind of using humor during the sales process? Again, I think it's one of those things that come naturally. Building out a career and thinking of goal setting and recognizing one's qualities or talents, I think I knew I've always had this edge for working hard, working smart. Because I'm also, aside from wanting to work really hard to get to my goals, I also wanted to make sure that I respect the fact that I'm actually naturally lazy. So I want to do things in a smart way. And so when it comes to being in a sales role, and especially when you do have to spend a lot of time on the phone, which obviously is becoming less common in the most recent times because everybody's working from home. So a lot of communication is in writing, makes it a little bit more difficult. But I remember back in the beginning of my career, I was always, yes, engaged and and trying to break the ice and enjoy myself as well. Making sure that when you're on a sales call, just add in some jokes, add in some light topics to make sure that everybody just feels like, okay, it's a serious topic. We're talking about ROI and we're talking about values and we're talking about how to solve a certain set of problems in a company or in an organization or in a department. But still, let's make sure that we enjoy this. And so, yes, I always try to, first and foremost, make it interesting for me because I have to do this multiple times a day and obviously also for the customer, that they also have a pleasant moment. And I think, yeah, especially for breaking ice type situations, in my case, so I'm originally from the Netherlands, right? So I do have a bit of an accent in whichever language I speak. I used to work a lot with the French or with the French speaking part of Belgium. So you need to also make sure that they understand while I might not be native, I make my best effort to cater to their ability to communicate. And therefore, I add in some light humor to make sure that we understand each other and break the ice and please accept my apologies for being Dutch. Those kind of jokes, usually they help a lot in making it slightly lighthearted. That feels like just a brilliant example of how to build rapport. Absolutely. I love the cultural aspects of that as well, because obviously sellers this side of the pond in EMEA, we can be selling to any number of 15, 20 plus different cultures and nationalities, right? Yeah, this is something that we've discussed quite a lot in my career. I mean, I've worked for a variety of American companies and to sometimes explain the fact that you drive 100 miles in one direction, you might actually have already gone through two or three different countries with languages and cultures, obviously. That's sometimes very complex to understand if you're not part of that. And in my case, over the years, 
Obviously, I've managed very international teams and mostly focused on the European or EMEA markets. And that's where you have to be extremely savvy navigating those differences in cultures. That's fascinating and really interesting insight, obviously coming from someone who's built teams across the region. I wanted to dive a bit deeper into the values that you spoke about. And obviously, it sounds like that's been an important kind of compass for you in your your own career. We've seen a lot of change in the last six to 12 months in the the sales industry. We've seen massive rises in buyer expectations. We've seen a huge drop in win rates in the last quarter, given the kind of market environment and a range of factors. But we're hearing a lot of kind of feedback from buyers that they're kind of disappointed with a lot of their sales experiences. And I wanted to dive deeper into that point you made around values, because it sounds like that's been a useful compass for you in your own career. And is there perhaps a lot to learn for ICs listening to this, trying to overcome these current challenges to discover their own set of values? So personally, if you, if you look at me and my career from a relatively young age, I've always defined what my values are as me as a person. So what do I find important? What do I find good and what do I find bad? And I think that's a very good compass in general with how you approach your career development. What are you willing to do and where can you also draw a line in the sand? What do I enjoy doing? Where do I bring value to others? And based on that, I define who I am as a human, but also as a professional. That's, I think, one side. Then you have values as to when you're dealing with Dutch people or Belgian people or French people or Spanish people, the value compass, although good and bad, is generally pretty well-defined. For example, you cannot possibly ever come late to a sales call in certain cultures, whereas in other cultures, and I saw it recently on a display on LinkedIn, I think there was an image where they said, in Germany, four o'clock is four o'clock. In China, four o'clock is five to four up to 10 past four. And obviously, those are values that you also need to understand and be very respectful of. And then we can go further. For example, the Middle East obviously has a specific set of values. Northern Africa, where I grew up, has a certain set of values. Spain and Portugal, as opposed to Italy, are obviously Southern, have similarities, but also huge differences. And I think it's very important for us as salespeople or customer-facing people, because I want to take sales to customer success or renewals teams they all need to be very aware of their audience and that will define your success. And then you can still, and here we come back to my point that I made earlier about the humor. I might sometimes say something that might not necessarily be in line with your expectations, but I'm sorry, I'm Dutch. I'm from the Netherlands. And you see that you can say that in a humorous way. You can make that a bit of a pun and then If you do then make a gaffe, you do make a small mistake, you can get away with it because people have that appreciation for the fact that you're not from their country and you're doing your best to respect their values. That's extremely key. Now, and then the third one you mentioned about people not necessarily being completely happy with the current state of sales. That's because, it's, as you said, it's been changing so incredibly fast. I think we all remember that we used to build our business with making 50 phone calls a day. And if you didn't make 50, you made 35 and you followed up with email and it was okay for you to call first to check if there was some level of interest and then follow up with email. Now that doesn't work anymore. 
Now you work the other way around. You have to announce the fact that you will be reaching out if okay. You have a very clear call to action. You have to make sure that the people understand why you will be calling them and they have to actually agree with you calling them because very often they work from a home setting. So you can't actually find the phone number. So that entire dynamic is changing. And then I think we've gone from, especially for software sales, an ability to sort of pick and choose who you want to sell to because you're one of few that sell a certain solution set to now having a very savvy buying person that has the ability to say, hey, I'm interested in market research tools. I have a plethora of things that I can look for on the internet. And I am often, and this is where it gets really interesting, I am often by just doing some browsing on the internet for half an hour, I am often smarter on the topic than many BDRs or SDRs that are just grinding the wheels and making sure that they send out a thousand emails a day and make 50 phone calls a day. And I think that's really key. The education of the sales reps and the value that we bring in initial stages of communication already needs to be up to par. And we don't necessarily do that because we all have outreach and gong and sales loft and all the other tools that we have in the sales force type environment. And they just automate so much. And we need to make sure that we educate the people that the tool is there to help them. The tool is not there to make them look good on a dashboard because their manager is on their back for thousand emails a day. That's a really important point you make there, Jerome. The importance there of educating the modern seller on some of the kind of core ingredients of sales. And I mean, in your opinion, based on what you've observed in recent years, do you feel that we've maybe lost our way a little bit? No. We haven't lost our ways. I think it's always been there. You will always have salespeople or sales organizations that are there to, can I say, ride the systems. I think specifically speaking, there's a lot of people that are able to, to push their dashboards into making them look like rock stars, whereas the outcome is not necessarily there. And I think that's really been for me, going back to values and, and professional values specifically, I think the focus on outcome is something that we sometimes lose. We now see the dashboard as the outcome we're looking for, not the bottom line, the actual contract closed at the end. I think that's the true difficulty of sales management. You actually need to be part of the sales floor. And why do I say this? Because I've had the experience with managers that were really always in the forecast and they were on the dashboards and how many calls are we making? And how many opportunities have we generated and how many meetings are we booking, et cetera, et cetera, which obviously are extremely good indicators of how well we are doing. But what we're seeing right now that we're still sending out a million emails, we're still organizing a ton of meetings, but it's becoming more and more difficult. But the quality of the outcome of those meetings is not there because I think the buying world at the moment is sort of at a standstill trying to take two steps back and saying, what's actually going on in the world? We've just gone through a pandemic, financial markets that are moving, there's crypto moving all kinds of ways, there's the tech layoffs that are impacting a lot of businesses. So I think the human aspect of being with your salespeople and really understanding what is motivating them, what are they actually doing? Does it make sense to send out a thousand emails a day? What do they put in it? Don't just manage over dashboards, but manage on a one-on-one -on -one setting. 
Yeah, I love that theme. And when you were talking about some of the more tactical examples earlier with using humor, that really was a great example for me listening there around how to humanize the sales process. You spoke there, Joran, as well about obviously educating sales reps on some of the core fundamentals of sales and actually try not to just kind of put them into this machine with this reliance on modern day technology. It'd be great to talk for a moment there around some practical approaches to educating reps. What have you seen as some really good ways to build the right behaviors? Aside from having a very solid onboarding, and when I say onboarding, one of the things that I really feel strongly about is the fact that you need to not only have people understand your solution set and your values of the company, but also be part of the company and know where to go and who to communicate with, who are your allies, where could there be a different type of approach necessary in communication and making sure that they actually become part of a greater machine. I think that's part of the onboarding. Then secondly, I definitely feel very strongly about making sure that you have natural leadership in the team and sort of normalize the fact that you're studying continuously. I remember this from many, many years ago. Education is not an event, it's a process. And really making sure that people, they learn something, they get excited about it if it's taught to them in the right way, and then they will use it for three days, four days, if you're lucky, two weeks. And then after two weeks, you slowly start seeing old behavior coming back into daily routine. And I think that's where education and the human side of management comes back in, is to make sure that as a leader, as a sales leader, you also are part of that education actively and make sure that you adopt the improved processes. And again, I think that's where we talk about things in the line of, of Kaizen, is making sure that you improve everything a little bit all the time. It doesn't have to be radically different. Just do that 1% better every day, right? It's just the incremental and the accumulated amount of improvement you can make over a year is so incredible. And I think that's something that many organizations often forget. And I've been very lucky in the majority of companies that I've worked in that we always had this very healthy approach to education, always open door policy, always making sure that not one session and then you're off to the races, but make sure that there's follow-up sessions and make sure that you repeat and don't take for granted that people know stuff. And I think that's been extremely key is, for example, what's our pitch? How do you position our pitch? You run it once, they do it really well. You go like, they have it down. And then a month later, they get rusty. And that's where it becomes important to keep on repeating that time after time. The reinforcement piece, I kind of can't echo enough in terms of the success we're seeing in the market right now. It does baffle me somehow, Jerome, how there still seems to be a lot of this school of thought that, well, actually training and the education piece is a kind of nice to have. And it's a kind of once and done, get everyone off to a hotel and get a trainer in for one day. And then that's kind of tick the box and we're done there. We're trying to build modern day sellers, right? What do you think we've got to do as a sales leadership community to rid ourselves of the older school ways of thinking? I mean, we're of the generation of the in-class type teaching. And then suddenly the whole concept of e-learning platforms. And we were pretty much bombarded with e-learning. And it was usually the driest content. 
and it was just so incredibly long. And then you got the interactive e-learning platforms that came over time and you were like, okay, this is slowly getting better. But I think the real solution to me is have a solid platform, a single source of truth. Because I think if I look back at all the years of sales management, how much stuff is like outdated, yet it's still run and rerun. And look at our sales playbook. But where is it? And then marketing comes up with a thing and you go, okay, I found it. No, 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 not that one. The new one. You know this better than anyone. But I mean, how often does that still happen in organizations? And how can we make sure that that doesn't happen? And I was extremely happy, for example, at Zinkler. We hired one person to fully dedicate our time to building and the upkeep of the onboarding, the continuous learning getting the C players to B players, B players to A players, and A players to AAA players. And to have that continuous machine running, to come back to your question, I think sales leaders need to understand education, especially if your team becomes bigger than 10, 15 people, requires, I want to say, a full-time resource to make sure that you coordinate between all the sales functions in an organization. And again, I'm extremely strict about this. For me, sales is anyone customer-facing that is involved in transaction, whether it's new business, whether it's customer success, whether it's renewals, all those roles should be educated in a similar way. Obviously, we're going heavy on prospecting and, and qualifying on the sales side. We're going probably 80% of that with customer success type environment. And with the renewals, you still have to requalify, but you don't have to prospect as much as in new business sales. But they still need to be part of those curriculums, if you will. It makes complete sense to me. And I think I'd just echo it backs up what we're seeing work really well in the market for the highest performing companies right now. Jerome, in our conversation today, you know, we've covered everything from the journey of a sales individual contributor. We've talked about the importance of discovering your values along your own journey. We've talked about the importance of communication, particularly in an EMEA market, and the importance of understanding different cultures as well. We've also talked about humor and the kind of secret superpower of humor and how that can help humanize the sales process. We've talked about the importance of sales leaders focusing not only on optimizing dashboards, but on optimizing the outcome and focusing on what's important. We've then talked about educating sales reps on what's important and the importance of not losing sight of that education process. And I think arguably for me, the greatest takeaway from our conversation today is your comment around education not being an event, but being a process. Yeah, it's an old age. And I think it's also back to, I have 5,000 euros of budget or pounds or dollars. Let's do a learning event. It can't be like that. It needs to be something that's repetitive and, and everything needs to be a continuous process. And that's also what I want to instill in everyone is, okay, it's great that you get this boost of education in an event, but it needs to be part of multiple events so that it becomes a process. And also for people to take ownership across the organization. So an SDR needs to be wanting to learn how to write better emails needs to go out there and understand how can I use my tools better. So I have a great example of, of someone that I hired a year ago who just went in and said, listen, I want to understand 
What can I do with Salesforce? What can I do with SalesLog? What can I do with Zoom Info? What can I do with Gong? And then based on those tools, make them as efficient as they can. And suddenly you see that that self-education makes them the first person I go to when I get access to new content or new data or a new process. And they grow exponentially in their own career, in their own role, their knowledge grows, and their bottom line, they book the most meetings, they are the most successful, and there is the most revenue coming out of their actions, which is obviously where we want to be. And their next step is going to be either become a leader within the team or move up to an AE role. I mean, that person has a very healthy career ahead of him. Spot on. Yeah, absolutely. Joran, you're a sales leader who cares deeply about enablement, about growing individuals. We have lots of first-time sales leaders listening to the show, experienced sales leaders who are always looking to connect with peers and learn from our guests on the show. For those listening to this who would like to connect with you, reach out to you for more wisdoms and to continue the conversation, where's the best place for them to do that? There's only one answer possible there. LinkedIn is always a good, I'm a very open connector. I have multiple connections. I'm happy to connect with everyone. If they would be so kind, if it's based on our chat today, if they would mention UHubs as a keyword, maybe even hashtag it. When they do connect, then we can relay that to our conversation today. One thing that I want to mention is if there's first-time managers or people that are have the ambition towards a leadership position, potentially even seasoned veterans, right? I mean, how strong is it? And this is something I do myself continuously, is how strong is it if you have a doubt or a question or a strong opinion to just speak with someone in a coaching type environment where you can say, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What's your take on it? And I remember many, many years ago, this is when I was still at PTC. I was like, I want to become a leader. I wanted to become the new manager or the new director or the new sales VP. And at one point, I remember my good friend, Alain, who was the VP of HR at the time. He said, there's no bigger compliment you can make to a senior person in the organization, whether it's your own organization or external, to say, I really appreciate your position and your work. Could I ask you for 30 minutes of coaching? That's the biggest compliment you can give anyone. I've done this in the past. I still do, where I go out to people and say, I have this doubt or I have this situation that I don't know how to deal with, or I have a very strong opinion about how I'm going to do things. And what do you think about this? That strengthens not only your own belief in what you're doing is right, but also the relationship you have with that person. And you, based on your own experience, will also teach the person you're asking for coaching. So yes, I'm an open connector. LinkedIn, absolutely, probably the easiest way to get to me. Always on, obviously. So yes, please, welcome. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Enjoyed the conversation as always. And looking forward to doing it soon over a glass of red wine. Absolutely. I'll make sure that I take care of the sun. You take care of the red wine. It's been an honor to be on your show. I hope it was of value. I hope there's some small nuggets of information there that people can benefit from. Awesome. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. By uncovering blind spots on performance, motivation, and skills, UHubs helps busy sales leaders at top SaaS companies to optimize their sales enablements so that they can develop reps and grow revenue. 
The UHub's Pulse platform visualizes each team's development needs, personalized upskilling, and provides data-driven coaching recommendations. These save sales managers 40 plus hours per quarter and help reps to ramp up 30% faster. Supercharge your sales team by booking a demo today.